Y'all, if you love Murder and Alliance and Unjust and Unsolved, you will love Wrongful Conviction Podcasts. They are raw and absolutely riveting with over 30 million downloads. Wrongful Conviction Podcasts aren't just chart-topping entries in the growing list of true crime podcasts. Rather, they are social justice in action featuring stories about and interviews with the men and women who have spent decades behind bars for crimes they maintain they did not commit. Wrongful Conviction Podcast does more than simply tell their stories. The show will inspire you to learn more and get involved. Again, if you love Murder and Alliance and Unjust and Unsolved, listen to Wrongful Conviction Podcasts wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Previously on Murder and Alliance. The murder of a mother of five in her own home stunned the small town of Alliance, Ohio. 26-year-old Yvonne Lane found in a pool of her own blood. This case is filled with sex, secrets, and surprises. They couldn't put David there because David was taking a martial arts class that night. He said that they put him in a room and they chained him to the wall, spit on him, and they told him that they wanted him to confess. Brent Turvey, a nationally known criminal forensics expert, picked apart what he calls a botched case. That is the one key part of this case that just never sat right with me. Like, why didn't the prosecution turn this over? So it makes me feel like there's more to the story. And supposedly, she told Linda McLaughlin's mother that the youngest child may be this policeman's son. She had come to you saying she had pissed off the wrong person. You know, in terms of the police force, my God, I had eight or nine names of officers who were potential sexual partners. There's a full-blown declaration that they went after three friends of David's that they approached first and tried to coerce them into testifying against David. He was identified early, focused on, and then railroaded into prison. If these people find out I'm talking shit, I'm done. I've met the killer, and I know where he is, and I suspect he's still killing, and yes, he's a cop. This case has absolutely consumed just about everyone who has touched it. The case is haunting. This is Murder and Alliance, an active investigation into who killed Yvonne Lane. I'm Maggie Freeling. At this point, I've been in touch with David Thorne for nearly two years. David has been in prison for 22 years for allegedly murdering his ex-girlfriend, Yvonne Lane, on March 31st, 1999. Since then, David has adamantly proclaimed his innocence, and the bizarre murder case and conviction has been featured on multiple news and TV programs. And so for the past two years, I have been consumed like Dwayne Pullman warned would happen. And so I decided to finally enlist the help of professional private investigators, John Harden, Danny Waxler, and Jason Baldwin from the West Memphis Three and his organization, Proclaim Justice. So back on the ground in Ohio, we continued our search for Chris Campbell. Remember, John and Danny thought Rose and Chris were the most key people in this entire investigation. Chris and his girlfriend, Rose, were the star witnesses at trial. 23-year-old Rose and 21-year-old Chris both testified at trial. They said they saw Joe at the Carnation Mall around closing. 
They said he told them he was in town for a job. And they said that job was to kill a girl. The card Joe allegedly wrote his phone number on for Chris was presented at trial to prove that Joe was there with them the night of the murder. And at this point, we don't really question that they were all there together. But what happened while they were there is what we wonder about. By trial, three months after the murder, some details of what they remembered changed from what they'd said in their initial statements. And then a bit more changed between those statements and the time they took the stand six months after that. Rose initially said Joe was in white pants and a white track jacket. By trial, the pants were black. Rose also said that the knife that Joe showed them was definitely not a pocket knife. She said it was an eight-inch knife in a sheath. By trial, it was a pocket knife. We tried to find Rose on our first trip because we had many questions about her statement. We wanted to know why it changed, and also about something she told police in her tape statement. Your reason why you haven't come forward until now? Because I've been scared for my life. Because Chris Campbell told me if I said anything that he would come after me. And that's why I've been scared, because I don't want to die. I have two small children to raise. People do things when they're scared. Like, sometimes people lie. And we wondered, was it possible she lied? If she did, was it out of fear? We did find Rose, but she refused to talk. She texted that she's not interested in speaking, and she stands by her trial testimony. She said nothing has changed. And there were other questions, too. Chris's statement differed from Rose's. Chris did say that Joe told him he was in town to do a job, to kill a girl like Rose said. But remember, Rose said that Joe said some guy paid him to do it. Well, Chris said something different. Basically, he said that uh, he had the... Remember, Chris and Joe knew each other before this mall encounter. They went to school together, and just a few months before the murder, the two got in a fight. The fight that got Joe kicked out of school. And plus, there was something else we just couldn't get over that Joe had told Sue, David's wife, in one of their first phone calls in the early 2000s. He knew that I was pretty much racist, and he hated me very big for that. He was, quote, pretty much racist. Chris is black. So we've always wondered whether that, plus the possible bad blood that led to this fight, was enough to give Chris motive to lie about Joe. If we talked to Chris and he said, yes, I lied, that would be a huge breakthrough in David's case. So we had to find Chris. I'm ready, Freddy. Let's go see what old Chris Campbell's up to. Last time we tried, if you remember, we found his ex-girlfriend. How, how long How long has he been gone? Uh, it's been about a, about a month, two weeks or so. I broke up with him anyway, because he's a hoe. Yeah? Yeah, he likes to get around. Chris's ex said he was with a new girl now, and he could be anywhere. What's he driving these days? Uh, he don't drive. He doesn't and have And if car. he is driving, he's driving something the girls just whatever bitch whatever has or whatever and this next trip we still don't have an address 
but we had the name and address of Chris's ex-wife and the mother of one of his kids. Supposedly, he had discussed the whole case with her. Yeah. I mean, she, she'll definitely give us a perspective of him. He's the mo- she's, It says she's the mother of his children. 15 minutes away. We had heard that while they were together, she asked Chris about what was going on when people kept coming to talk to him. And Chris said he couldn't tell the truth because he was terrified that, quote, they would kill him. It's unclear to everyone who they are. So we had to confirm this for ourselves. Hello, my name is John. We're, I'm, I'm looking for... I'm an investigator, and we're looking at a case from a long time ago. So we're looking into the Yvonne Lane case, and we believe that uh, uh, Chris Campbell, who you knew, um, has some information about So we're just wanting to visit with you about Chris and what he had to say about it. That's my ex-husband. Do you remember anything about that case? I wasn't with him when it happened, but he said that the guy's innocent. He said he never murdered that girl or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Did he say that, um, like, the cops... Did he make any comments to you about the cops asking him or telling him or coercing him to make any statements or anything like that? Chris won't talk about it. He won't? But, yeah, I mean, like, we're divorced, so I don't... Yeah. Well, we, we, we didn't think you guys were together, but we did think that at some point in the relationship, shortly after all this happened, that maybe he had discussed it with you yeah, or... Yeah, that guy is so Yeah. That poor guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris knows, though, but he's afraid that if he snitches, he'll die or something. Chris's ex-wife said, of course she asked him about what was going on. Why the hell are these people over here? You know, like, yeah. what happened? What happened? As a wife, I'm nagging. Like, at this point, you're going to tell me something. Yeah. And that's all the information he gave me. Like, he didn't do it. And but he didn't talk to you about any details of it at all? Yeah. He's scared he's going to die. Somebody out, the murderer's out here. And I think that guy, whoever did it, he's... Chris is scared he's gonna come get him. Do you think Chris knows who actually oh, really yeah, did he it? Knows it. He just I can't get it out of him. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he knows who actually committed the murder. Was it someone that he'd known and grown up with? Mm-hmm. I don't know who though. He won't speak. <laughs> but if if we put the murderer away, then he can't get to Chris because he's away, right? Chris is afraid he's gonna testify and all kinds of crap. Like I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know. I wasn't there, but like I. He's scared. Chris yeah. is scared. <laughs> How often do you see him? Yeah, he's got our kid. I got two kids with him. Oh, so regularly, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Well, we had made an attempt to locate him before, and we... He lives at Street in Louisville. Okay. Okay. Go see him. He's at work right now. His work is on Harrison, but he gets off at 5, so around 6 o'clock. Okay. This seemed huge. We had to find Chris. What if he told us he'd lied on the stand? I mean, why was his ex so sure that Joe was innocent? Something I think a lot of us forget when, you know, we're thinking about our own diets is that cats are carnivores and they need a lot of meat. And often leading cat food brands have fillers, grains, and very little protein. Well, that's why I switched to Cat Person cat food. It's everything my cat needs to stay happy and healthy, high quality, high protein meals delivered right to my door. And they'll do the same for you. And if you order your starter box today, I've arranged for cat person to provide an exclusive offer, nearly 50% off just for my listeners. 
Here's the thing. So, you know, when you switch foods, you need to introduce it slowly. And so I was trying to mix it in with the old food that they were eating. So when my cats would go back to eating their old food, they wouldn't eat. They only wanted the cat person cat food. And I love that because not only is it good for them, but I love that they love the way it tastes. I did the mackerel and bream wet food. You and your cat are going to love Cat Person as much as we do. Go to catperson.com slash MIA and use code MIA to save nearly 50% off your starter box with free shipping. That's catperson.com slash MIA, code MIA to get nearly 50% off your starter box with free shipping. Catperson.com slash MIA, code MIA. So finally, with an address, we left to go wait for Chris to get off work. I bet you they got a spooky attic. You think it's haunted? I think (laughs) there's bones up there. After about 20 minutes of waiting, we spotted someone. And they matched Chris's description, walking towards the address we had for him. I'll have eyes if he crosses the road. I think he's crossed. Well, he may just be walking around that truck. He's right by their house right now. Yep, there he is. He's crossing. That's him. Can you see? Yes. Oh. See those? That's him. Maybe. Probably. I'm gonna go with probably right now. I'm about to go with likely. Now I'm going definitely. <laughs> it's definitely him. <laughs> walked his ass all the way from Harrison. That's funny. I just looked up out of the corner of my eye and there's a dude walking. (laughs) Well, we've really almost just missed that. The man we were watching walked into Chris's house and we basically had confirmation that this was him. Damn, it would have been great if we knew that was him. It could have just stopped right here. I know. (laughs) Other than it might have pissed him off because he just wants to get home. Yeah. Well. I think we let him settle in. Yeah, I think we give him a few minutes, yeah. It's a hot-ass walk. Fuck yeah, man. After about another 20 minutes, Danny and John decided to go knock. Hi, Chris. How you doing? You Chris? Yeah. Chris, I'm Danny Waxler. This is John Harden. Hi. How you doing? I was hoping I'd ha- I could have a minute to talk to you. All right. Hey, let me Who are you guys? So we work for an innocence project. They do their normal spiel. What has happened is is there's been a resurgence of attention on the case. So we're trying to get out in front of it, and we feel like there's going to be information. The events involving Joe Wilkes and his trip to the mall. I guess it was a mall visit or alleged mall visit in which he had encountered you guys. It's not to put you in the middle of anything, but we feel like we've got a new path. We feel like both of these guys are innocent, but part of that is going and figuring out who really was responsible. At this point, I was still waiting in the car, watching from the road. I had no idea if Chris was going to flip on them or slam the door in their faces, but he did neither of those. And he actually invited them in. You knew Joe. Yeah. And what was your relationship with Joe like? Uh, me and him, I think I was his only friend. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What, in school or in the neighborhood or? In school, we went to school together. We were in uh, masonry together. So what was he like? I mean, we haven't met him. 
we, we've heard that he's at a lower level mentally, cognitively. So, but we don't know that. We haven't spoken to him. So. Yeah, uh, he's a caring guy. You know what I mean? And he's um, he, he, he really just wanted a friend, mm. and that's what I was to him. I was just a friend. So, he, like, he used to stay at my house and things. He's really respectful. And he was just a good kid. He just had a, a really fucked up background. They went on to talk about Joe and their relationship. Did you ever think of Joe as a racist? What? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, okay. Because he's, we. That's why we feel like he's. He would be let off a cliff if he, if someone he looked up to told him to jump off the cliff. So when one of his narratives was, you and him hated each other. Because he was, he's, he's <laughs> verbatim, this is what he said. I'm, I was pretty much a racist, and he knew it. <laughs> you either are or you're not, right? Yeah. We're like, pretty much. That's not something you're on the fence on, right? <laughs> and now that we know you were his only freaking friend at the time, yeah. it doesn't matter if you were purple. He needed a friend, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right? right? Wow, this is so crazy. So that motive we came up with for Chris to lie was pretty much blown out of the water. But maybe Chris was an informant and was given a deal to lie. There were some things that we came across that made us think this. For one, Chris was arrested July 16th for drug possession. This was just two days after Joe was brought in for questioning on July 14th. Chris was then held until after trial and then released for time served. So did you think it was weird that right after... I think it was the 14th of July, him and David Thorne, and then two days later, they arrest you in the park for putting your hand in your pocket. Do you remember that? Wasn't that odd? It was odd to us because all we see are the documents. And then they tried to keep you in jail, and then when the trial is over and they're convicted, they give you time served and you're done. What do you think that was about? I think they wanted to take Joe down. Mm. And I knew Joe, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, and from their knowledge, I was the last one to talk to Joe before the murder happened. So, you know what I mean? And I do remember that detective too. I can't remember his name, but he kept saying, you owe me a favor, you owe me a favor. And like, I'm thinking my head, I don't owe you anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> this was also odd. And sitting in the car listening to all this, I couldn't help but think, Chris had to have gotten a deal. And if that was the case, the prosecution would have had to disclose that. And they didn't. So that would be huge for David's case. This summer has been one of the most hectic and crazy summers of my life. It was definitely not hot back summer. Between traveling back and forth to Ohio and everyone trying to get all their weddings in after COVID, it's just been hectic. And so when my brain needs to turn off, I pick up Best Fiends. It is a match three puzzle game. And it's not just one of these match three, move on. You actually collect cute characters as you go. And my favorite is Vincent the Moth, 
It's a great way to turn off your brain and tune out. I am on level 474 and I cannot stop. It is so relaxing and one of the only ways to slow down and turn off my brain. And I can pick it up and put it down anytime I want. And that's probably why there are a hundred million downloads of Best Fiends. And the best part is it's free to download. Download the five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Did they ever like lean on you to say something like they need your help and 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 they'll do something for you that's if you do something was. for them yeah that's what it was but i said the only thing i have is the truth so the police never leaned on you to tell them something that wasn't true did they ask you to do that did they ask you to fill some holes for them with things that you didn't think were right no Chris never admit to this happening, getting a deal or being an informant. We used all of our confidential sources to figure this out, and no one could find out if he was a CI. In fact, they said likely the opposite based on how many times he'd been arrested and actually did the time. And also, Chris's original statement was July 9th, and he wasn't arrested until a week later on the 16th when he was held until after trial. So to us, this meant that the original statement could not have been coerced for a deal related to the arrest because he wasn't arrested until weeks later. And Chris's statement just didn't change between the first time he gave it and when he took the stand. So we put all of this to bed as best that we could that Chris was an informant or got a deal. We have no reason to doubt his original statement, though we did want to ask Chris why Rose and his statements didn't exactly match up. Rose said some guy had hired Joe to kill Yvonne, but you had said in your initial thing that Joe told you his girlfriend, his own girlfriend, had sent him to do the job. That was a big variance, right? There's a big difference between some guy paid me off to, in your view, what Joe had said, was that his girlfriend had sent him to do the job, his own girlfriend. Yeah. Does that ring a bell or? I remember that conversation, yeah. So he was saying that maybe the dude's girlfriend hired him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he didn't have a girlfriend. It was a dude's girlfriend that hired him. Chris didn't waver. He said the same thing he told police in his original statements that Joe said a girlfriend put him up to the murder. It was never clear to Chris whose girlfriend, but he did know Joe didn't have a girlfriend. And despite this, Chris also told Danny and John that what Joe told him at the mall just didn't make sense. I can't physically say that he did it. I can tell you what I know. I can tell you what he told me, but I can also tell you what I feel. I don't believe that he walked from... Exactly. Mall on State Street. Yes. In a white jogging suit. Yes. All the way down, like 4.2 miles in that well-lit street. Yeah. And then the night he showed me, and then the night that they showed me, it it didn't match up. Remember, Rose originally said it was an eight-inch knife in a sheath, and by the time of trial, the police were showing Rose and Chris a folding pocket knife on the stand. 
Well, I remember the detective took me to Kmart too. At the mall, and it was like, well, show me the knife. And I showed him closest to the knife. And it was a folding knife? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I said, Joe, who are you going to kill with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris said the knife was a folding knife, like his original statement. So if Chris said he told the truth, could it be that maybe he mixed up his days? How sure are you that it was that same day, the day before she was actually killed? Because the, that night we talked to him, and then that very next morning, Rose heard about it and immediately said, well, we know who did it, I'm calling the cops. So it was the next day Yeah. that... Right, my attention. They asked him to walk them through that night. As soon as we walked in there, we I seen him in the in the food court at the tables. And I asked him what he was doing here, and that's when he said he had a job to do, blah blah blah. Did he say what the job to do was? Yeah, I, oh yeah, I told, we, we talked about everything. I asked him, he was like, I got a hundred squirrel, and he showed him the knife that he was going to use. At first, I didn't believe him. Like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's not something your buddy typically comes out of his yeah. mouth, right? Yeah. So he did say that to you, though. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm pretty sure that he probably got offered that and was like, yeah, I mean, he was broke, mm-hmm. and whoever paid him, got him enough money to buy some outfits because all that shit was new and got him a room. Everything Chris said to us matched his original story. And even though Chris was adamant Joe told him he was there to kill a girl, and even though a girl did in fact get murdered that night, Chris just doesn't believe that Joe's the killer. I always believe that Joe didn't do it. I believe he was set up for real because Joe loves kids. Yeah. Joe wouldn't do that, not in front of no kids anyway. Yeah. And it's like, doesn't add up. It doesn't Rose make sense. You think so? Rose probably got coached. By the cops, you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, and plus she was already scared to begin with. Yeah. She was already scared. Yeah. And uh, we broke up after that, after she called the cops and shit. But yeah. Like, we don't even know for sure he really did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, shit, I have no clue. Yeah. I have no clue. Because after, after she called the cops or whatever it says, she called the cops, I haven't talked to her since then either. Yeah, yeah. Chris said he thought Rose was coached, but he doesn't know for sure. And we don't know either. We don't know why their stories differ, why the knives are different, and why who hired who was you didn't want to say anything to her because you were worried about something happening to you if you said what you knew. Does that, did that ring any bells? And the only way I'd be afraid of that is the damn cop. <laughs> yeah. Real. Yeah. Because they got power. Yeah. Well, we know that. I mean, yeah. The only way why I would say that. Do you know anything about the cops that may have. I don't. I don't. Now, full transparency, it occurred to me that Chris could be inclined to stick to his original story just to avoid any kind of perjury charge. I mean, to me, the guy is well-versed with the law, considering all his run-ins, and he's certainly not stupid. 
And he just said, if he's afraid of anyone, it's the cops. But again, we have to go with what we have, and we have no evidence to the contrary. And so if we're to believe Chris that he didn't know who did this, Joe said he was there to kill a girl, and sure, maybe Rose was coached because she was scared, but that the general story from both of them that Joe told them he was there to kill a girl for somebody is true, then who would that somebody be? Chris told John and Danny that in hindsight, he thinks he must have meant that Joe was asked by some guy's girlfriend to do the job because Joe didn't have his own girlfriend. And this got us thinking about something Samson had said to us in his driveway. Hey, we appreciate your time very well, much. I hope you guys... We'll see one way or the other. Yeah. You know, you hear these things about, okay, we had cops doing this, and then we thought, okay, that's Talk almost to never true. And she, she thinks he did it? Oh, yeah. Couldn't prove it? If you couldn't make out that last part, Samson told John and Danny he would have arrested Amy, David's girlfriend at the time, too, but they couldn't prove she was involved. Samson said, talk to David's sister, Gina. He said that Gina believes David did it. Now, this is the first person we'd heard of who allegedly thought David did this, besides, of course, the cops, prosecutors, and Yvonne's family, but someone close to David who thought he did this. And it's his own sister. So why does Samson think she believes this? And what does Amy have to do with it? Now, if you remember, you heard some of Gina's tape with the police, where she said that they were starting and stopping the tape and taking things out of context. Well, this whole conversation didn't start because the police were doing their due diligence and talking to the sister of the main suspect. No. Gina actually called the cops herself to talk about Amy on April 6th, 
it was a it sounded to me like a woman's voice and I really don't want to say anything why's that because I'm tired of being dragged in the middle of it yeah you're not in the middle say, of it oh I have been for the last 22 years how did y'all even find me here so you remember because seeing him my boyfriend my ex-husband now but my boyfriend at the time we saw him there that night if joe's giving her permission so to speak to talk with us you would think joe's not worried about what she's going to tell us well, i truly honestly believe he didn't do it i know david wanted him to and i was under the impression that dave was going to pay him to Y'all, if you like this show, please consider joining the Unjust and Unsolved Patreon. It shows how much you care and helps us continue to tell these stories. Plus, you get some awesome bonus episodes, Q&As, and events as a thank you. And please, please rate and review. The more reviews, the more attention, and the more likely we're going to get tips and leads and the right ears will be reached. Murder in Alliance is produced and reported by me, Maggie Freeling, with editorial consulting from Amber Hunt. Aaron Case is our legal intern, and Bob Mallory is our engineering assistant. For more information and resources, go to murderinalliance.com. You can find Murder in Alliance on Twitter and Instagram at murder underscore alliance and join the discussion on Facebook at Unjust and Unsolved Podcast Discussion Group. Murder in Alliance is a production of the Obsessed Network. You can find all their shows at obsessednetwork.com. <laughs>